But I From didn't. Did you put your mouth on the udder? I didn't. They put it in a cup for me, but I definitely didn't claim it when I came back in. Have you been in contact with any livestock? Like they ask you all those questions. Define contact. <laughs> well, I'm so happy that the opening line to the podcast is going to be talking about udders. I was in the, I was in contact with the essence of an udder, which isn't the same thing as being in direct. Yeah, contact. yeah, yeah. That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. How direct is the contact with the livestock? Well. Yep. Okay. So once again, this is a very funny episode, but just as funny as it is, kind of like the other ones, it goes just as deep. And there's some extremely profound things on here. So I'm excited for you guys to learn with us as we hung out with my friend and our friend, Mike Donahue. Mike is an incredible songwriter, uh, was a part of the band 10th Avenue North. He's an author. He's a speaker. He actually brings people along on a really deep journey. So you're going to love this episode. For those of you who are new to our community, thank you for jumping in and checking it out. I think you're going to dig it. Go back and listen to some of the other episodes. And would you rate this and like it and comment on it? You guys, it's actually really helpful for us if you go back there and rate it and make some comments. It really puts us in a better light as far as promoting this show. And then would you share this show with people that you think that it might help? And we are supported purely by you guys. So please, would you go to 10,000minutes.com, 10000minutes.com in the upper right-hand corner donate and would you just consider donating every month or one large tax deductible gift hey oh and then if you want to get a free text messages just encouraging every week on whatever we're practicing just text 10k to 55678 the number is 55678 and you put 10k all right get ready this one rocks okay welcome to the 10,000 minute experiment podcast my name is timothy howard timmons we've got amoy what would your middle name be <laughs> Plot twist and Moy is my middle name. Oh, it is. Ooh. Oh, that's Ooh, got him. Plot twist is your middle name. Yeah, good one, good one, Mike D. Uh, yeah. And Moy is my middle name. Ooh, yeah, because my first name is even harder to pronounce. Are we allowed to? Uh, can you tell Give us? Go. Are we friends enough? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, episode. What what episode are we on? I mean, we're we're all in. So it's yeah. Iram. It's my mom's I- nickname. Iram backwards. Mary. Yeah, it's Mary backwards. Why couldn't I just have Mary? I don't know. I love I, it. Iram. Iram. Iram, yes. Em, Iram Emoy Donis. Oh, gosh. Yes. And That's the best Eric, name. Eric Donis. <laughs> <laughs> and my dad's Leo and my mom's Mary. It makes no sense. No, I think you're doing great. Thanks. Gosh. I'm winning. Thank you. And Christopher. Kyle Cleveland. Kyle Cleveland. Kyle. It's the perfect name, guys. Don't be too <laughs> jealous about it, but it just rolls off the tongue. Christopher Kyle Cleveland. I mean, yeah. if your parents spelt it a certain way, that could have been. It's CKC. <laughs> yeah. So don't worry about it. Okay. <laughs> I still don't get it, but I think no, it's funny. Close. And you're Michael Morgan. Donahue. Yeah. MMD, baby. Yeah. MMD. Like a Whoa. doc. Let's mm-hmm. go. If your parents mm-hmm. spelled that a little different, it would have been something different. <laughs> yep. <So. laughs> you know what I mean? If you think about it. Totally. Okay. Oh, what do you man. think I meant? Oh, I'm so excited no that Mike's here. <laughs> so excited. Soak it in for How a second. How do I smell, guys? <laughs> I was a little worried about my smell. Um, I guys, a- I, f- I found out why we had to postpone today a little bit. So I know you guys all had a lot to do um, and we had to move a lot of things, but Mike had to go golfing this morning. Oh, okay. Oh. Hey, but here's the deal. You're going to- How many holes you get in? We just walk nine holes. (laughs) Me and my former drummer in my band, we meet and we do a little par three. I love it. 
course on Monday mornings and we walk and it takes an hour, but it's immovable. I'm going to do that. Yeah. No, I, I love that. That's so great. Also, yeah, so I think great. I could golf if it was just a par three. Like I didn't realize that was an option. <laughs> yeah. Like nine par three. Cause I'm, I can't play holes that are longer than three. What? I don't know any golf terms, but, and I'm always, and I'm always done after nine. Like I'm in the cart, just having a beverage yeah. and just watching other people chase balls around. Yeah. Yeah, it's basically the in between of mini golf and right. real golf. Yeah, right. it's good. So, how many clubs do you have to take? I mean, it depends. You could do you this. Take course. the whole bag. You could. I do, but it's just because I like to go work out while I golf. You know, <laughs> I feel you. I actually I carry sacks of weights, <laughs> and I wear weight vests. You do the belt like yeah. when you're doing pull ups. I do pull ups in between holes. So this is some manly golf. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty strong. Now, Mike and I have done a lot of manly things together. <laughs> Super manly. <laughs> what I mean by that yeah. is we've worked out an awful lot on the road together. We sure did. My favorite move, we were in an arena. <laughs> yes. And do you remember where we were just making up moves where we would yeah. hold the railing and yeah. kind of shimmy up and down stairwells? Yeah, like your body, your body could fit between, it long long ways, your body okay. could like fit between the two rails. And so, yeah, it was- The way, like were you horizontal over? Like if you fell, you'd fall a whole, like- No, there wasn't any real danger Oh, okay. We just, we just literally- just like, hey, check. It, just it actually like, sounds like what my four-year-old does when he's trying to like it's totally climb what we did. everything. Yeah, it's okay. totally what we did. Because you know, you're in these arena things, and at some point, you're like, you can only run the stairs so many times. Or, I and mean, we had some fun outside runs. We did, but this one, for some reason, we just wanted to do some, I don't know, upper body something, and right, so right. we just started looking at these rails and going, mm, "What could we do here?" So it was a good <laughs> half an hour. We definitely got stupid. some really funny looks by employees who were walking the corridor. Just going, what are you doing? Because we got our feet up against the wall and you're we're shuffling along yeah. the banister like a little squirrel. Yeah. I've definitely done like pull-ups on basketball goals or something. I'm like you could get up there? I mean, occasionally. That wow. that's a big deal. I'm that's, impressed. Yeah, you're I, that's really why I said it. Yeah, I wanted it you like, guys to, I wanted you guys to be like impressed by the just the fact that I could make it up there. I usually I'd usually jump up and hang on the top of the backboard. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. There's a guy in high school he could Get a quarter off the top of the backboard. That's incredible. He could jump when it was lower because that's what I. Yeah, yeah, I wanted, like six and a half. Yeah, I do yeah. that out. out. So everybody, we've got Mike D here, and we want to know why you call it Mike. <laughs> we D. didn't even introduce him yet, have we? <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> we were talking. Oh my goodness. Okay, so everybody, we've got Mike Donahue here. Hello. And we like to call Mike D. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Is that just me that likes to call you Mike D? So. I was in high I, it just it feels better. I think partly why I did mm -hmm. Mike D is I didn't know exactly how to say your last name. That's fair. No one really is it does. He hey. It looks like hey, right. but it's pronounced he. he. Gosh, see mm. Donna he. Gosh, I hate myself. Uh, the, the actual, I guess, technical Irish pronunciation is Dunahy. Dunahy. Yeah, Dunahy. Mm. Uh, but <laughs> mine is a little more. Mine's more Americanized. <laughs> I always know when it's telemarketer is Mike Dohinahi there. Yeah. Uh, but my, I was, I was at a theater thing and my, my. What's a theater thing mean? I went to a thing called governor school where it was a performing arts, a magnet intensive for a month at the university of Richmond going into my senior year. You had to audition for, and I got in wow. with other performing arts. So there's kids there for choir and theater and dance and 
visual art. What was yours for? I was there for theater arts, for acting. acting. Which acting is just reacting. Is it? Yeah. I mean, if you really think about it, it's it's just reacting. So There's a, yeah, so I'm there and my roommate goes, he was Mike Lee. And he goes, (laughs) you're going to be Mike D because Beastie Boys. And I thought, oh, oh, okay, sure. But up until that point, no one had ever called me Mike D. They just called me Mike. And then I got to college, first week of college. They said, hey, I had four mics in my little orientation group. Yeah. So I go, we need to differentiate you mics. I said, well, I went to this theater thing and everyone called me Mike D. They said, done, Mike D. And it stuck hard where even now, if I see someone who went to college at the same time as me. Yeah. I think people actually thought my last name was D E E, like Lee, but D. Yeah, Mike D. Yeah, but no, it was Mike D. You know how Bart has that thing about chunk. You know Texans, they say if you throw something, chuck that you chunk it or chunk it. Yeah, that's what yeah. Texas. Uh, do Just you have that? Or throw anything? a baseball, or uh, I'm going to chuck a baseball, or I'm going to chunk yeah. a baseball. Chunk it what over. What would there. you say? We'll see. In golf, I'm on golf because I played golf oh this morning. Gosh, right. Chunking would mean you miss hit it. Yeah. You took a big yeah. divot before uh, the ball. You took a chunk out of, yeah, out the, of the divot. ground. But you don't throw, you don't no, chunk, chunk the chunk no. of grass. Mm. You chuck. But people from Texas, they are like. It's like wash. Well, they mm. say pumpkin, pumpkin, chunkin. Pumpkin? Pumpkin, chunkin. Pumpkin, chunkin. It's something that they do in Texas. And so they're all yeah. convinced that the word is chunkin. When I hear the word chunk, I think of the Goonies. Totally. Yeah. Obviously. There's the only you way. You can't even throw him. Yeah. There's one time. It's <laughs> uh, the worst part. It's the worst thing I've ever done. I made this fake throw up. I went to this movie and I hit it in my jacket and then I, I got to the top and I threw it over the balcony. I made this noise like, huh, Wow. I'm, hey, I'm so excited that none of us have self-control to stop a bit. <laughs> yes. How was I keep going? <laughs> none of us. It's one time I used my uncle's toupee when I played Moses in my Hebrew school play. This one time I pushed my sister down the stairs and I blamed it on the top. <laughs> so, anywho... Strong. Oh man, we got actor Mike D. Mike, I went, that Mike, actor, Mike Lee, total. Actor. I don't know why you did music. I, yeah. Tell me about it, man. Acting is reacting. Oh, that's good. Well, I mean, I didn't have that on my list of things that you do. So, uh, what I was going to say to you, Mike, is that you. I was thinking you're an author. I, I suppose. Oh, I mean, you've got a book out. Sure, it's a very cute title. Thank you. <laughs> I wrote it down. Finding God's life for my will. That that is what I was going for. Is cute. I know, but it's probably not the best word. Cute. But I do. I, I do, like would it. like to talk about that. You're I'm also a podcaster. It. Yep. You do that. I do this as well. Yeah. Uh, you're what we like to call a singer songwriter. I sure hope so. Artist. You mm-hmm. left the band mm-hmm. for King and Country. I did. <laughs> they kept asking me in the band. I said. I said no. Was it your accent? Yeah. Can you do a good Australian accent? Hey, it's Brucey. <laughs> I, was, I was thinking about it. It's uh, like Crocodile Dundee. <laughs> I promise, I swear, that I will not eat a fish on my honor. <laughs> okay, good. I think we got that part. God. What I did not add to it was actor or actor. reactor. Uh, reactor, thank you. Also, okay. we need to say the real name of his band. 10th Avenue North. I was in, oh, I was in the band yeah. called 10th Avenue North. For how long? 
21 years. Shaka Khan. That's long. That's a long time. Mm -hmm. Uh, Anyway, would you talk quickly about finding God's life for my will? What was your whole point with that thing? Yeah. I didn't read it. Great. (laughs) But somebody might. (laughs) Could you convince me to read it right now? (laughs) as As a songwriter, I would often write in long form. I actually was blogging on MySpace before I was songwriting. Wow. Blogging, writing a little more long form comes very naturally to me. And I just, over the years, I'd get a lot of people asking me, when did you know this was God's will for your life to be in this band? That I think Mm -hmm. when when you're in a visible platform doing something that seems very connected to spirituality, people just think that you must have had this divine holy calling right and i would always say i always say to people i don't know and they always they get they don't like that answer yeah Mm -hmm. they want to know when no because i know god's gonna just i go no god never really told me to do it he didn't tell me not to and i really love writing songs and have come to love it so i'm just trying to write songs in a way that actually help people yeah you know so the whole book is try not to figure out god's will try to let god's life change your will that's probably mm. really what we all need. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it could really be summed up in this Frederick Beekner sentence. You ever read any Fred, Freddie mm-hmm. B? He's best. Uh, he said, your calling is where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. So the idea is, it's been my experience, a lot of people in church circles, they either talk about, I need to come alive. You know, um, there's that St. Ignatius quote, the glory of God is man fully alive. So in um, one of the John Eldridge books, he talks about that. You don't need to ask what the world needs. You need to ask yourself what makes you come alive because what the world needs is people who have come alive. I said, yeah, that's nice, but that's just half of it, right? I totally agree. You need to ask, what could I do that's going to fill me, get me excited, make me want to get out of bed in the morning, give me passion, all that. But if you only ask that, you'll just become an egomaniac, a narcissist. Yeah. But on the flip side, a lot of people in church circles will go, hey, what does the world need? What does the world need? The world needs water. The world needs orphanages. The world needs this. So a lot of people who actually aren't wired to do that run and go try to do it because mm. that's what the mm-hmm. world needs. And then what happens? They burn out. Mm-hmm. You know. So I love Frederick Buechner's philosophy here. It, it's both. You have to ask both questions. What am I good at? What am I wired to do? Where's my deep gladness? And... How can I do that thing in a way that actually meets the world's great hunger and needs? Yeah. So, so we are in a series of sorts um, on practicing the presence of God. Mm, Brother Lawrence. Brother Lawrence. But taking it out of just being a cute little book that is awesome. And it is a little book. It makes me feel better that you called my book cute because you called Brother Lawrence's book cute too. You're in good company right now. Good company. Okay. But we're trying to take that out of just this conceptual idea and put it into practice. Like this week, what would it look like for us to practice the presence of God? And I think what you're bringing in is this idea of the will of God. And I mean, how many people, how many times have we asked that when I was younger? How many people have asked me that? Hey, how do you know the will of God for my life? So I just wanted to dive into the idea of practicing the presence of God. How do you do that and look for, is it the will of God? Is that what we're looking for? Which I think the answer is no. So what's it practically look like for you? Okay, I'll tell you something really tangible here. Because short answer, what's God's will for my life? Well, one thing I know is to not be afraid. I've been saying this to my wife all last week. 
I said, what if we weren't afraid? Just what if we weren't afraid and what if we believed we're loved? Those two things. Hmm. Because the most repeated command in the Bible is do not be afraid, yeah. right? 365 times, which, you know, I don't know if that's actually true or if Sounds good though. People yeah. just want yeah. it to really be true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Finagled it a They're little actually bit. They're actually 439. But <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. The point is, it's the mo- it's most repeated command in all of scripture. So you could argue the number one thing God wants for our life is to not be afraid, to not live in fear. And what drives out fear? Perfect love casts out all fear, right? So really tangibly, I was talking to my counselor. I go to Porter's Call, you know, because mm-hmm. they offer free counseling to artists. My dude there was explaining, because I was saying this last week we sold a house and we're buying a new house and I was full of all this anxiety. And he said, you know what anxiety it is? I go, no. He goes, your brain is telling you that life is going to move faster than it actually is. Oh, wow. Isn't that good? Mm -hmm. Because the reason we get afraid is our brain, our fight or flight, you know, part of our brain, the lizard brain, is trying to see around corners and Mm -hmm. preemptively see danger so we can be ready for it. And anxiety is you're physically manifesting that getting ready for something bad to happen. And so this week I've just been taking a big breath and going, that's not there. It's not here now. That's not here now. That's what I keep saying. Wow. You know, as, as you know, you read headlines of news and just things are going to be worse and they're going to be worse and they're going to get worse and everything's going to, that's not here now. Mm. You know, so practicing the presence is the presence, the present you can't practice the presence of God without practicing the present. Mm. Right? There's a uh, really great, really great <laughs> quote I love to tell myself that I think we talked about when we wrote, we wrote a song together, Chris uh-huh. and I, called Glory I Couldn't See, which kind of is about this. But there's a quote that says, the secret to peace is to embrace your current circumstance as if you had chosen it. Yeah that until you choose your moment, you're actually a victim to your moment. Say that line one more time. You must embrace your current circumstance as if you had chosen it. So when you're feeling like a victim and you're going, oh, I don't like this circumstance. I don't like this hand I've been dealt. I don't want to be here. If you're resisting it, then you can't actively participate in it. You have to at some point go, I choose this. I don't choose that it happened but I choose where I am right now. Okay, so before we go any further, I just want to say these lines again. And I'd love for you to put this into your own context. He said, you can't practice the presence of God without practicing the present. What's it look like for you to practice the present moment with God? and then embrace your circumstances as if you were choosing it. With what you've gone through in your life so far, how does that settle on you? Okay, so I'm going to get real right now. Is that okay? I love real. How does that set with you? So Moy right. lost her brother. Mm-hmm. And... Ten years ago. Ten years ago. Mm-hmm. How does that line set with you? How does that work in real life? So I love mm-hmm. theoretical ideas, mm-hmm. but how does this work when the stuff hits the fan? I mean, I think today that is where I am. I think today I do participate in my grief and I participate in the ways I need Jesus. I think before 
it felt like it didn't align with who he is. So I think I also had to just be open and curious with the ways God could love me. Because I think before I had a really set view. And so I'm not going to participate in something that doesn't really reflect love or reflect God. Hmm. Like all of this isn't of him. But now, 10 years later, I think I'm like, do I wish my brother back? I mean, I think it'd make people uncomfortable if I said no, because I've experienced Jesus in such a different way. And I and I know that sounds so messy yeah. and complex, yeah. but I think I'm embracing where I'm at now and the parts of my life that God has truly been God, if that makes sense. Hmm. But I think a few years ago, I think especially in the beginning of grief, you're like, I will not, I will not participate. I will Mm -hmm. not accept this. Like you're in that denial stage, you're in the bargaining, all those things. Um, But I struggle with a lot of anxiety too, because I'm expecting the next death and I'm expecting the next tragedy and kind of accepting what's today has actually helped me with my anxiety. So I do agree with that statement. Hmm. I just don't. I wouldn't say every day I agree with it, but most days I do. (laughs) It seems like you have to go through those stages of grief to get to acceptance, to get to that place. You've you've got to take the time to get there. And that's for grief. It could be just like, oh, something happened today that I I didn't choose. Uh But in order for me not to be a victim of it, I have to live my life as I did. And I think that's really powerful and in more of a short distance run then kind of a long distance run of of the grief of losing someone you know Mm -hmm. um yes how else how else mike would this be practical like in your week give me an example of how this plays out okay really great the very practical my wife is away on a trip to mexico i have four daughters right now yeah having four girls great just means someone's always crying yeah and it's usually (laughs) me but this last week they have been it is i don't know if there's a full moon but they are amping up the wailing and the weeping. I mean, it is just through the needle is through the roof. Think the beginning, yeah. beginning of back to the future yeah. where yeah. it's the guitar. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and one of the ways that we really hurt our children is when we make them feel as if they are too much for us. Uh, mm-hmm. And a lot of hurt and damage we do is you need to get it together. Mm-hmm. Well, why do they need to get together? Because it's triggering me. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things I have to do is mm-hmm. go, I'm here now. And I, ch- I choose my daughter and I choose to be here with her, yeah. even though she's losing her mind. And it is fascinating because we have this thing in our house. You're allowed to be sad. Mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of people I know grow up, certain emotions are wrong right. and certain emotions mm-hmm. are right. Yep. And that's not true. All emotions are a gift and they're telling you something. Mm-hmm. Yes. Revealing if you, stuff. If you can yep. listen to yep. it. Mm-hmm. And so it's fascinating to me when I go, stop it. Just be quiet. Just don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. Like, don't flip your lid. I mean, and, and I do think there is some, you got to teach your kids the difference between being sad and losing their mind. Yeah. But there is some, yeah. you know, we got to teach them that. But more often than not, we err on the side of, squashing unnecessarily. Yeah. And so for me, the the words my wife and I use is when they escalate, I must remain the same. Hmm. Cause it's all they want to know. Mm-hmm. All they really want to know is, am I too much? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Am I too much? I'm okay. You're okay. Mm-hmm. 
it's phenomenal how if I just sit there and I don't escalate, I go, we're not going to do that right now. Hmm. And they flail. And I mean, they all flail. They're all different ages. So they all flail <laughs> in different ways. Yeah. And if I can just stay there and say, I choose to be here. It's amazing how quickly they'll recorrect when I don't try to help them recorrect. And what's that look like as you're talking about choosing to be somewhere in the presence of God, as you're with in the present moment, in the presence of God? Is that is that so, the practice? I mean, really, the, the practice. I think for a lot of parents, here here's something that I I'm really. Conf- I mean, this is this is somebody on this on the street driving a car that somebody cuts me off. I mean, this is in all areas. Right. Go. I'm, I'm going to stick with a tangible here. I remember when we had two kids and we had this group of friends, this friend group, and we would go over to each other's houses and we'd have a meal once a week or a couple times a month. We'd have some worship and prayer time, but it was a huge sacrifice because we'd, we all had little kids and we would bring them and try to put them down in our friends' bedrooms to yeah. have this night where yeah. we could mm-hmm. feel like normal humans. It was a couple weeks into that, and my second child was just losing her mind, inconsolable. And I'm in this room. All my friends are in the other room having a party, basically. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're having food. They're laughing. They're Mm -hmm. talking. And I'm just going, you are keeping me from Mm -hmm. where I want to be. Yep. And there was this moment where I just heard this whisper in my head of, your friends are going to come and go. You're going to be this kid's father forever. Wow. So choose this child yeah. over your friends. Yeah, It's so hard because as parents, we're called to do that night after night after night after night. Yeah. Think how many things you say no to and you can't go be at because you have to put your kids down to bed and you have yep. to be there. But if I am actively resisting and resenting the fact that I'm putting my kid to bed. Yeah. I mean, last night my sister came over and same thing. I, I wanted to get my kids to bed faster because I wanted to sit and talk to my sister. Yeah. And it's that mm-hmm. tension of going, no, I have to sit here. And so, I mean, last night I was trying to get my two youngest to bed and they weren't going to bed. And this is, this just doesn't always work out this way. Yeah. But I go, you know what? My sister can wait. And I started singing songs to them and they both fell asleep in five minutes. You know, where I think if I had kept resisting and go to bed, go to bed, just be quiet. It just, they would have been up for right. 30 more minutes, you know? Yeah. Hmm. So that's like a tangible mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. I did. I, it's funny you talk about road rage. Last week, my wife and I were walking down the side of the road mm-hmm. on our street. And this guy, that there's an Amazon truck in front of us with the blinkers on on the side of the road. And this truck swings around it and then comes barreling directly at us. And we, I mean, jump over off the road. And then he drives by and he starts cussing and yelling at us. And so he gets past us and I jump out in the street and I lift my hands up and I go, Hey, yeah. like that. Yeah. And then I, I suddenly realize I have just yeah. elevated this totally. unnecessarily. <laughs> and so then I just started dancing. Well, that actually probably made it worse because he slams his brakes, throws it in reverse. Oh my in, gosh. Yeah. You listen to a hole. Well, you jumped out in front of my truck. I went, no, I did not, sir. He goes, yes, you did. Where do you live, a-hole? Where do you yeah. live? Yeah. And I said, I'm so sorry, sir. I did not, you know, just trying to be as polite as possible. And then, Did he, you not see my dance moves? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then he peeled off. Uh, so, you know, sometimes just 
There's nothing you can do to put the fire out. <laughs> but there's a putting a fire out within your own soul. I mean, in that moment, you're in crazy land. My kids get me in that place all the time. Or there's some kind of road, something that happens. I mean, I, I get into that place that my kids get and I can't even get out of it. You know, yeah. it's like finding sobriety and getting to a place where I need to take a breath and go, okay, I'm here in this present moment with you, Jesus. Uh, can I tell you, practically, yes. breathing is the most underrated, unutilized weapon we have against mm-hmm. anxiety and tension. Mm-hmm. I just did this breathwork meditation thing with a guy out in Wyoming. I was at this retreat in Wyoming and there's a guy there who he just kind of mumbled like, I do breath work. <laughs> and I go, really? Because <laughs> my best friend in the world is, is obsessed with this guy named Wim Hof. You know who he is? Uh-uh. He's this, I think he's German, but he leads all these people in these breathing things and ice baths. Breathing in ice baths. And this guy's nuts. I mean, he'll uh, go swim in a frozen lake for as long as he wants. Yeah. I and mean, this guy, crazy. And people get healed of all this stuff. There's all these studies being done about DET, DHT, D, what's the the acid chemical? I don't know. The, chemi- the, chem- the, the chemical they make acid out yeah, of yep. is naturally occurring in your lungs. Did you know that? Mm. And huh. when you do these certain breaths, you release that chemical into your body and so i did this thing in wyoming i mean we were laying in this field next to this river and we all had mats and he had this playlist on a speaker and he was burning sage and i mean it was it was some of the guys were very uncomfortable i was (laughs) i was going yeah dude let's do it and um and all we did was lay on our backs and breathe that was it but he had these cycled breathings and i'm telling you okay my whole life, since I've been an artist, I have desperately struggled with comparison and jealousy yeah. mm. of other artists. Mm. And I take all these steps to not be. Mm-hmm. I do my best. I Which really, is hard to believe because you've had a pretty good career. Completely. Right. You, yeah. you, you go, That's, you're such a jerk, Mike. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, I even know uh, comparison is the thief of joy. And yeah. that the best way yeah, we know get, all these things. The best yep. way to get out of comparison is to celebrate others. And I do think that's a really good tangible mm. thing to do. But I laying on the field, just breathing for this hour, I had one of the most physical meets spiritual experiences of my life. Wow. And the thing that just would always come in my chest where I felt this comparison and jealousy for other artists was gone. Hmm. And it's been a month and I have not felt mm. it at all. Mm. And it's wild. And it it was coupled with that morning I went on this paddleboard thing. And we're in the mountains. I'm on this pristine lake on a paddleboard. And maybe it was, it might have just been, it was my first time away from <laughs> right, my kids right. screaming all <laughs> right, the time. Right, right, right. And uh, I really felt like the Holy Spirit said, Mike, if I am for you, I'm for them. Mm. Mm. And if you want me to be for you, you need to be for them. Hmm. And it's not either or. It's both and. And the fact that I'm for you actually amplifies the fact that I'm for them. And the fact that I'm for them amplifies the fact that I'm for you. And you need to quit believing that I don't have enough to go around. Right. And so, I don't know. I was just so, uh, Brennan Manning would talk about this breath prayer. 
it's uh, Abba, I belong to you. Mm-hmm. So you inhale. Abba, I belong to you. And if you go back, there's actually a lot of spiritual fathers have yeah. these breath work mm-hmm. prayers. Yeah. We do a um, ton of that in 10,000 minutes stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great. So, uh, yeah. Great. Thanks for letting me talk about that. No, 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 but it's fascinating. I mean, it's, I love it. That it you keeps bringing up. Last like, week. Yeah. Keeps coming up. I wonder if the presence of God is a lot like the presence of our kids. Like, I don't need to go achieve anything to show up for my kids. I just need to be present. I just need to show up. You actually need to not like, achieve something yeah, to you, be there. You, right. Yeah. You, mm-hmm. It's it's counterintuitive. And I think with God, it's it's almost the same thing. It's like, okay, I need to not show up in all of these other places and just recognize that we're here. And that's the hardest part about all this. I think that's why breathing helps because mm. it lets everything else go, right? Mm-hmm. There's nothing else happening. And I think that's like practicing the presence of God in any of those moments is like, let it all go. God, you're still here. Mm-hmm. And maybe this is the point of all of it, you know? Isn't that Yahweh is the breath? Mm-hmm. Isn't that right. why? Mm-hmm. Right. It's the sound of the breath. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're always giving different prayers. I think that Brennan Manning stuff has been really helpful. Whether it's Jesus, I trust you today. Like that becomes your prayer that week or Jesus, breathe in, you have my attention. You know, these things that we're, we're doing. I wonder if it's something for people who are listening. So I was thinking about your experience when you're laying there and you found great freedom. Like for all the people who right now are in the car or on a run or doing something like what's the invitation for mm-hmm. the rest of us? You know, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I've been on those trips too, but then most of the year I'm not on those trips. Right. And I need some clarity and I need some some insight and some help. Mm-hmm. So and here's here's something that I don't think enough of us take into consideration. I've been reading a lot of articles on successful people. Hmm. And I, I'm always interested, people who blah, 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 blah. And I'm always looking for what are the what are the connect what what is so and so I'm reading all these articles. Almost every single high performing, you know, and yeah. it's so ironic, right? Because we're just we want to achieve more and more and more and more. But they all talk about the health involved with turning off your phone at night and when you turn it on in the morning. Hmm. And I was listening, uh, you know, Carlos Whitaker. Yeah, he just did this little thing. He was talking about story fatigue, and I thought this was really great. And I, I have to double check his his sources here, but I've heard something similar from other people. It's something like from the beginning of humanity to 2003, all the content that the world created, that much content from the beginning of humanity to 2003 is how much content we now create every two days. Yeah. Mm. Right? That's what we're doing right now. We're creating content for people to listen to. And he said, we wake up in the morning and we get on our phone and in 15 minutes, we have ingested more stories and more content than our grandparents consumed in a month. That's crazy. And so, yeah. So that's why you look at all the charts. Anxiety is just through the roof. Mm -hmm. Depression is through the roof. I think it's because we're being told about more things to be afraid of and more things we're supposed to care about than we're actually created to be able to process. Mm. And the desire to be like God, it's so funny, right? Pa- mm-hmm. Tower of ba- Babel, that was the, the sin. So we want to be like God. And 
Think about the shame you get if you don't care about every single mm-hmm. thing yeah. that's happening mm-hmm. in the world. And I go, I'm, I'm not meant to. In fact, what ends up happening is we take in so much content, it paralyzes us. Right. Yeah. And we don't know where to, For our own to steer our ship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, we don't, yeah. and we don't know what we're allowed to care about. Yeah. You know, even I just put out a record and I'm feeling insensitive posting about my mm-hmm. record because, mm-hmm. well, there's all these other things happening in the world. How dare I be so inconsiderate? Right. And I go, well, I, I just think a lot of us don't understand just how wide sweeping the effects are of us taking in so much mm-hmm. information. Mm-hmm. And I, I had this ritual to speak to that. I had this ritual because at the end of the day, you have to make time. You just do. For anything? For, I would say, so when I was in my 20s, I worked at this church and I worked 120 hours a week. I was an intern, you know, and I lived right next to the church. And man, I just, I was on call. Yeah. I was mm. just always working. But, Every morning, I would ride my bike three miles down the road to this park, and then I'd run this circuit loop, and I'd do this workout. But then after my workout, I would go, and I'd sit on these bleachers by the soccer field, and I would read scripture, and I would journal, and I would sit there, and I would pray. I'd take a prayer walk around the fields, and then I'd ride my bike back. And I think there's that old George, I think it was George Mueller. Do you know who he is? He's a Mm, British guy. I think he said this. He may not have, but pretty sure he said, when I wake up and I have so much more on my plate, I spend twice as long praying. Right. Mm. You know, and, and that idea of really making space. I, I think of prayer not as something I achieve or that I do, but I think of prayer as space that I create. Because mm. um, that's, that's all God needs is a space where he can fill. Mm. Right. Mm. It's not, he's not someone I have to achieve to. He's someone I have to let in. Right. And that's, that's another fascinating thing. I'm just riffing here, but one of the things I've, I've been really fascinated with, and I don't know practically how this goes. I love that you're pushing for these practical things, but in Colossians, Paul says over and over and over, let, it's like his favorite word in the book of Colossians. He says, let the peace of God rule in your heart. Let your roots go down into Christ. Uh, Jesus even said, let not your hearts be troubled. I love that because he's saying, you have a new default, actually. Your new default is that peace is at your door trying to get in. And all you have to do is stop actively resisting mm. the peace. Because mm. like one of the things I do when my wife leaves, my wife is the most faithful woman. She has given me zero reason to ever doubt her faithfulness. And yet when she goes on trips, because I try having toured for years and years, I always try to give her plenty of trips on her own too yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. and watch the kids. P.S. If you're having marital problems and you have a husband who leaves, um, just flip the script. Husband, stay home with your kids and I bet 90% of your problems are going to get sorted. But big in our marriage, same thing. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, but on her trips, I will start creating a narrative. Mm. She's probably out with a guy. She probably met a guy on a trip. She probably <laughs> talked to a guy. Because I think my wife is stunning and that guys are just hitting on her all the time. I go, yeah. how could they not? They, sh- they should be because yeah. she's gorgeous. Yeah. I don't want them to, but. Yeah. Uh, but, and it's one of those things where I am actively resisting the peace that wants to get in. Yeah. By creating narratives. Yeah. Why am I doing that? You know? And so 
I don't know how you need to do this, but I really, anyone listening, let the peace of God rule in your heart. It wants to. And all you have to do is stop actively resisting and making mm-hmm. up stories of why you shouldn't have peace. Hmm. Just trying to think through the idea of letting it in, or is it like awakening to what already exists? I mean, Paul says, let the peace of God rule in your heart. Yeah. Let your roots go down. So there is some, there is the reality that it's already doing it. Let yeah. your roots go down into Christ. Well, yeah. roots are growing. Yep. You know, regardless. But it sounds like, but if you put a wall, where the roots are trying to go, they're going to grow sideways. Mm-hmm. And that's, mm. I think that's a really good word. Yeah. If we stifle and resist, things come out sideways. Mm. How do you stifle and resist? Well, I just told you one way. Right. Uh, another way is. I mean, is it, I mean, practically, is it believing the, let's just go to the comparison. Cause that's mm-hmm. also a theme that we've had recently. Mm-hmm. What's the practical thing that we're doing as we're oh, comparing? I got a good one. Yeah. So for instance, I always struggle with, I put out new music and I feel like I have to post a ton about it because if I don't tell people about it, then no one's going to hear about it. So one of the things that I do and I see lots of other artists do is you repost when other people post about it, you repost it. And so I just got into this new habit of I'm doing that, which is self-promotion, you know, and I still wrestle with it and I could be wrong. So feel free to judge this statement. (laughs) But I found a really freeing thing is when someone I know posts about it, then I repost their post and I talk about them and how great what they're doing is. Mm. So I'm still trying to promote my stuff, but I'm at mm. the same time going, but my stuff isn't the only stuff out there. In fact, this person's stuff is amazing. This is so good. I found when it gets late at night, if my wife is gone or she's already in bed, that's usually when I get, I get real in my feels. I'm a four on the Enneagram, a social four. So people mistake me as a seven because I'm the counter type of the four. I don't know for all you Enneagram lovers out there. Um, for hard three wing, obviously. Yes. Uh, sorry if you don't understand Enneagram out there. I'm not trying to make you feel isolated, uh, but I understand the feelings of isolation. <laughs> That's too real. Too um, real. <laughs> so as a four, I get in my feels at night. And, and here's a real practical thing that I've been doing is in that moment when I feel really lonely. And and the problem is I, I'm learning how to ask someone to come over. Oh, mm. I feel lonely. Mm-hmm. I need to reach out and ask someone to hang out. Th- and that's a struggle for me, I think, because I toured so long right. that I never had the time. It was always, well, I'm home now. I got to mm-hmm. be home. Or maybe it's too late to ask someone over. You know what I do? Mm-hmm. I just start looking through my contacts and just start sending people text messages of why I love them. Mm. It has nothing to do with me. Yeah. 100% other directed. And you know what's fascinating? 30 minutes of that, I feel incredible. Yeah. Because I realize I have these amazing people in my life that, and they're incredible. Mm-hmm. And isn't that amazing? Mm-hmm. And there's that beauty of self-forgetfulness, as Tim Keller says. Love that. Mm-hmm. That's a really good practical mm-hmm. thing, particularly when you're feeling lonely and yeah. isolated. Yeah, mm-hmm. I love that. But I never get to the T's. That's why. That's why I don't. <laughs> T's are T's are far down. You, you feel you feel yeah. better about like the P's. Yeah. Although I'm a C and I haven't got one of those texts yet, I so I feel my pretty- phone stars go dim. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's S. That was quick, and I appreciate it. I, I want to say vulnerability puts you in the present. Yeah. Transparency doesn't. Hmm. So and give, I think, give, give the difference. So transparency is, hey, look at all this stuff that I struggle with. Right. Mm-hmm vulnerability is, Hey, I really struggle with being alone. Would you, would you come sit with me? 
Mm-hmm. And true vulnerability gives you the freedom to say yes, no, or maybe. Hmm. Gives the other person. Uh, otherwise, freedom. it's not vulnerability; it's manipulation. Wow. If I say I've been really lonely, and I'm gonna I'm gonna kill myself if you don't right. come over. Right. Right. That's not vulnerability. That's that's manipulation, coercion, mm-hmm. and transparency would be like, yeah, I just I'm really struggling, really horrible. I have horrible thoughts and feelings, and I think a lot of us pride ourselves in how transparent we can be. Right. But usually, mm-hmm. transparency is pretty curated, For or, sure. or it's just it's just not asking the next move. You know, mm-hmm. that's been something I've been I've been really fascinated by is the difference of authenticity and vulnerability. Because mm-hmm. I think we live in a culture that really thinks they've conflated the two. They think they're the same thing. Yeah, yeah. we we That's love right. when people are transparent mm-hmm. or authentic, but the vulnerability part is is actually not that encouraged. Because mm-hmm. you can't really be vulnerable on Instagram. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. It's voyeuristic, you know. And if something's voyeuristic, it's not vulnerable. Mm-hmm. I would say Brené Brown could come on and mm-hmm. disagree with me, but <laughs> next week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're welcome. I have to take two seconds and just fangirl about Mike because, and I want it on the record. Yeah. Because I've been jealous of him for numerous reasons, even aside from his career, right? This comparison thing. Yeah. First time I met him and just thought it was great. The biggest thing, and I I literally talked to somebody about this last week and I can't remember what it was. This is in a song, right? And I said, freaking Mike Donahue, like... He always knows these quotes and he knows the guy's names and he knows the exact quote and he brings it like, and <laughs> ju- they just wrote, like you said, like 20 of them today. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, I read a book and I think it may, like they may have had an author and here was kind of the gist of it. And I'm like, I'm so jealous of the fact that you know quotes. To make you feel better, uh, Jesus all the time goes, the scriptures say. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, yeah. So don't beat yourself up. Too uh, other than that, Mike does have a sneaking awesome record that's out that he just released called Flourish. And he let me sit in a room while he wrote one of the best songs I've ever sat in the room for true. that I'm really pumped about. And a podcast that's I've listened to every episode of. So... Okay, that's all my fan, <laughs> so fanboy moments. So there it is. A fanboy girl, uh, Mike. We've got ten thousand questions for you. I'm ready. This is what we like to call speed round. At ten thousand, it better be fast. It's fast. <laughs> it's, it's super quick. It's super quick. Oh gosh, the first one we've already talked about. It. Who's your favorite touring workout buddy? Tim, Tim Timmons. Oh my god! I didn't, even, I, didn't even, I didn't even write these. That's the crazy part. These just like popped up. It's like a just a Google search. Yeah, yeah. I just it was Google actually, it was actually the popcorn guy at this arena <laughs> that I worked no, no, out no. with after you. Oh no! Yeah, he was a, he was amazing. Oh, okay, hobby. Uh, golf, I guess. That's a hobby, right? Yeah, it's a hobby. Sure. Where it's not a sport. Ho- that's for sport? sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, do you have any other hobbies? No. <laughs> that one wasn't good. <laughs> um, do I have any other hobbies? Yeah. Oh, man. Sure. Sure I do. <laughs> That's right, a great answer. <laughs> right now my kids just got back in school, so I feel like my hobby is picking them up and dropping them off from school. Totally. It's like That's my hobby right totally. now. Totally. Uh, favorite song you didn't write? Mm-hmm. Ah, favorite song. Lately... There's a Switchfoot song that goes, uh, if you could let the pain of the past go, oh, none of this is in your control. 
Have you heard that one? Uh-uh. You could only let your guard down. You could just believe it. I swear that I won't let you go. Won't let you go. That's what it's called. That that's the melody is just absurd mm-hmm. on that song. So absurd. Whatever on him. Yeah. Uh, three words to describe yourself. Complicated. Yeah, complicated. Uh, <laughs> uh, gregarious. <laughs> and excitable. Yes. Yes, I like all those. Yeah. Nice. Weird quirk about you. Maybe that you know big words. Some quirky thing about Mike D. <laughs> of course. <laughs> about Mike Lee. There's so many to choose from is the problem. So anybody who jumps in the middle of a street and dances. Is, <laughs> yes. I got the whole thing. I can't not eat potato chips late at night. Mm. I, I eat so healthy. Potato so, chips. Specifically do you, potato How chips? many do you eat? I mean, I, I'm. Do you have self-control? I'm, yeah, I'm doing better at not eating, pounding the whole bag. Okay. But I'll get a bowl. I make myself get a bowl or something. Yeah. And sometimes I will just eat a whole bag. I have a very chips. similar situation in relationship with fruit snacks. Yeah, it's awkward. fruit snacks. Yeah, it's a serious problem. I eat <laughs> like, so healthy during the day, and then fruit oh, bags man. and bags of fruit snacks. Yeah. Oh That's yeah, amazing. just eat all my. Wait, his wife on here. I wonder if you could get us. a placebo saline. Maybe sort of I think you maybe gummies could. with you know. Uh, well, there's other gummies yeah. you could eat that yeah, would yeah. make you eat even more gummies. Yeah, right. uh, that's not help. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. <laughs> oh man. Like maybe some essential oil. Yeah. You know, just something that's zero caloric that you could just. I need it. Crush. I don't know if the calories are the issue though, for you. <sighs> I mean, they are. I feel like they're gonna kill me. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, to that, I'm to that. I'm to that age in life. For you. Oh, it can't. It can't be good for you. It can't be. Anyways. Okay, pet peeve. Pet peeve yeah. when guys run me off the road and then cuss at me for, <laughs> for walking. Yeah, big pet peeve. Yeah. What about that? Just do being fe- accused of doing something wrong that you didn't right. do. Uh, yes, there it is. The incense. Uh, that's. The, I am so innocent in this situation. Yes. Right. The perceived guilt with which you are. Shading upon me is yes. Misunderstood. How do you do when you're misunderstood in life? I dance. <laughs> dance upon injustice. <laughs> I will say I'm. I used to be really, really defensive, and uh, uh, maybe not even defensive. I I went the other way. I went despairing. Hmm. You know, defeated. Yeah. When someone would call me out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm getting better at going. Yeah, it could be true. Definitely. Let me think about that. Yeah. Uh, favorite joke that I can share. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Uh, um, oh boy, I love. Oh, I love this one. There's <laughs> two two whales sitting at a bar, uh-huh. and the one whale says to the other whale, And the other whale says, dang it, Frank, you're drunk. Just go home. Stop. <laughs> That's good. That's really good. Two well. whales. I think it's the funniest part is that the two whales are sitting there at the bar. <laughs> I picture them. And his name is Frank. Yeah. I picture blue whales. Like with the. Yeah. Like beluga. Yeah. I mean. I definitely don't picture killer whales. Uh-huh. No, it's not killer uh-huh. whales. That's not funny. Yeah, no, no. Killer whales. <laughs> yeah. Calm down, guys. <laughs> Leave the seals alone. Uh, what are you most afraid of? Killer whales. Always. <laughs> um, can I, spiders. 
Really? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I thought you'd have something more existential. You know, you'd think so. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's because yeah, spiders saw, are that gnarly. I saw arachnophobia as a kid. <gasps> Me too. And 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 we live in Tennessee. There's black widows and brown recluses yeah. everywhere. Everywhere. I Do mean, you remember where you saw it? Yeah, Nate Whitley's right. basement. Oh, the worst. <laughs> jerk. What's his name? Nate Whitley. Oh, I hate Nate. that kid. No, I actually he's a good kid. I hate <laughs> that. I hate, I hate his basement that. then. Yeah, I hate that he exposed me to that. Uh no, greatest fear. No, probably being being cheated on and left mm. by my wife. That's mm. probably probably which is why I create the story. Totally. So there's something in my story. I need to go uh, go to therapy. Something first. deeper for in there. There's yeah. something in yeah. my thinking I'm gonna get. Are your parents together? Not chosen, maybe. Oh, yeah, maybe that's it's it. It's not even the being left. It's the not preferring me mm. over someone else. Yeah, no, my parents are still together. Yeah, they're awesome. I've met them. I've met them. Uh, bucket list. Besides doing this podcast? Obviously. Um, bucket list. I really do want to play a concert at Red Rocks. Even more than the Ryman. I. I've I've played I've gotten to open up for people at the Ryman, so I do I would love to like headline a show at the Ryman, but um We played at the Ryman together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's different when you're playing for someone else's totally. crowd. Mm-hmm. Totally. It's different. Uh but playing my own show at Red Rocks, I mean, that's a pretty tall ask. But yeah. if it happened, that'd be amazing. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. Spring twenty twenty two, baby. I'm doing it. <laughs> Let's yeah. go. Fifty people in the front row. <laughs> Doesn't yeah. even matter. Yeah. Empty. Thanks for doing this. Oh my goodness. What a what a gift. So good. Okay. Well, you guys, thanks for listening. Thanks for being a part of this. If there are ways that we can help or encourage you to join Jesus or be more aware of him in your 10,000 minutes, I do love hearing where you're listening and what you guys are learning. So please feel free to let us know either through Facebook or Instagram, or you can text us back on the text thread. Or if you get the emails, you can reply to those emails. Okay. Thanks, you guys. 10,000 minutes experiment out.